Hello and welcome to the Hope and Anchor Community Church podcast. Each week we'll bring you the latest preachings from our Sunday services. We hope that as you listen, you encounter God and you're encouraged to go deeper in your relationship with Him. Enjoy the message. All right, so today we are looking over or under the general theme, shall we say, about God being a communicator. And I think this is something that we know quite well, you know, obviously God talks to us, he speaks to us, we can speak to him. Um, but we're going to really dive into this today. And we're going to be under the specific banner of keep the line open. Now, this might mean something to you. Or if you were born after the millennium, this might mean nothing to you at all. See, I, okay, I get it. I am quite young, so I don't really have uh, full authority, let's just say, to, to talk into this. Um, but there was one thing called a landline that most of us used to have growing up, right? And maybe, maybe you're too young, you don't have that. Maybe you still have a landline, which awesome, kudos to you. But our home phone, right? And so here is the deal, is that as a family, you would have one phone. And if you were expecting a call, you better make sure that no one else was on that phone or else the line would have been stopped or blocked, um, wouldn't be open, right? And today we're kind of going to dive into that. Now, I, I can't say again that, you know, when I was 10 that I really had any super important phone calls that I was waiting for. Uh, but it's the idea of, of not being able to, to get the message through, to be able to communicate. And that is kind of what we're looking into today. And I am super excited about this. I mean, we could talk about dial-up as well, how you couldn't be on the internet and on the phone at the same time, uh, but that is a little besides the point, and yeah, we'll move on from there. Um, but basically, if we need to understand how God wants to communicate with us and how we can communicate with Him, we have to understand, I think, first, we have to have the, the knowledge of His nearness. And that is something that I think we're going to focus on just for a little bit right now. And it is a quality of His that I feel like we can a lot, well, we go, I feel like, two different ways, right? So we can either take it for granted because, you know, yeah, God loves us. He's near to us. He's, he's with us. Or sometimes we, when we don't have full revelation of who we are in God. I mean, both of them are not full revelations of who we are. But when we don't fully have that revelation, sometimes we think, oh, does God want to spend time with me? Does he want to talk with me? Does he want to get close to me? Um, and today, I think a basic kind of understanding for what we're going to dive into later is the fact that God wants to be near to you, that God is near. You know, he is God, God of the universe, and it was his desire to come. That is what the gospel is, right? Jesus coming in flesh, God in flesh as man to be near. Um, and that is something that is so beautiful. You know, if we're going to talk about the, the phone imagery or the phone metaphor, you know, God is not a long distance call. You know, it's not something that's going to charge us a lot of money or a collect call, right? Remember collect calls where you had to like, you have to pay to answer a phone call? That's not how God is at all. You know, we don't have to do anything. We don't have to pay. Jesus paid the price for our nearness to God. And that is a beautiful gift. It is a gift. So if we're going to talk about God being our communicator and communing, essentially communion, communicating, communing with him, We need to understand the relational aspect and how he has already done it. He's gone the distance. He's covered the distance. And again, you might say, well, that is basic gospel, you know, basic gospel information. But sometimes we need to have a renewal of the basic things to have a fresh perspective on what God is doing. We don't want to become apathetic or um, even numb or even calloused, shall we say, to the beautiful revelations that God has for us and to the truth of who he is. Um, Yeah. I want to pull up our first verse of the day, um, and it is Romans 1, 19 to 20. And I will be reading from the NLT, the New uh, Living Translation, for all of the, the service today, but 
read them whatever you would like to. Now this is a very uh, famous verse. So Romans 1.19, right? Um, in fact, there's a band that I know that kind of made a song kind of based around this verse. So if you're looking maybe for like a, a counterpart to uh, the sermon here, uh, to kind of give it a little extra something, you can listen to the Relief by Title. Am I giving them a shameless plug? Yes. Um, but it's a great song. Also, you may or may not be seeing them uh, on a Sunday on your screen, so you should look into that. Um, but basically, Romans 1, 19 to 20, it says, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them, okay? For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse, no excuses for not knowing God. And again, this is quite a popular verse. If you've been, you know, in the Christian culture, shall we say, for quite a while, or if, you know, read your Bible. But there's an interesting aspect to it because I've always taken it as, oh yeah, there's no reason for us to not believe that there is a God because we can see it. It's obvious in nature, in the sky, in just the things around us. It is so obvious when you're talking to another person, oh, that God exists, right? How could all of this be coincidence? But there's another step to this, I think, and that God is trying to, to tell us today, right? That it's not just obvious that we have salvation. He's not making himself obvious so we can just go to heaven. Like that is not, that is half gospel. That is not full gospel. What we said earlier about Jesus coming as man to make himself available for us, that is more complete, right? So God has made himself obvious to us, not just so that we can get into heaven, we can like skirt out of that hell line, you know? That's not it. It's, he has made himself obvious and available to us. So close, so close to us. And God's availability is a really key for today, right? He has made, us made himself available to all. Not just salvation available to all, but just his person available to all, right? And we look at the life of Jesus as well. He was available to everyone and he was, I love this, interruptible, if you will. He would be walking, you know, maybe he even wanted to have some time on his own, but people would come and he would allow himself to be available. He would allow himself to be interrupted. Um, and again, God is not distant. Like we said, this is not a long distant phone call. He made himself available. You know, and I think we all have that friend, right? Or we, I don't want to say we all do because then your friends might be like thinking about it. Um, you know, the friend that says like, oh, call me whenever, you know, but you call them when you need them and they don't pick up their phone. I think, you know, we all know which friends we call in a time of crisis and which ones we're like, ah, oh, they're not going to pick up their phone. Um, but God is not like that. You know, he always picks up his phone. He's always interruptible for us, you know? Or maybe he's like, or he's not like, rather, a teacher or a boss that says, hey, you know, you need some extra help. You need some help understanding. Come see me after class. Or, hey, I'll walk you through, you know, your new work responsibility. But then it's awkward because it never feels like they have the time for you. Or it's just kind of more like a, a pleasantry. They said that just to be nice. And it's uncomfortable because you don't feel like you have that space to go approach. That is not what God is. God is available whenever, however we want to come to him. Um, yeah, and how he chose this relationship with us. You know, he chose to be available. And so if we're talking about this and we communicate with him and he's always available, I mean, also that is the beauty of an omnipresent God because I could, you know, be talking to him and someone else can as well. And that is one of the mysteries, I think, of the gospel and of God that we might never fully comprehend, but we have to trust in, right? Um, so if God is omnipresent and he's always available, 
why does it sometimes feel like like there's a block in the like communication with him you know why is it sometimes like it feels like that the line isn't open that there's a blockage that there's a stop somehow clearly then if god is omnipresent and always available and interruptible if you will for all of us then how does that how does that happen how does that work well honestly then that comes from our end right so today we're going to look at the different things um yeah that just a few different ways and in this whole imagery and metaphor of the phone as well um, of how sometimes we we block that line you know we don't have our lines open shall you say to actually hear from god um, so today as we're going to dive into the main uh, chunk of our scripture today we're going to look at three ways that we block our phone lines you ready for this we're going to read one whole chapter of a bible today i know that's a lot and not even that, we're going to go to numbers. Now I know what you're saying, you're probably thinking like, why? <laughs> First of all, that's a lot of words. Um, and numbers, you know, one of the obscure Old Testament books that I feel like a lot of us just kind of skim through and then flip. You know, we like the good stuff, we like the Psalms, we like John, we like Romans, you know. Um, but I think something as well that the Lord um, is just really pressing into his church right now is a renewed love for the word. And I think sometimes we get confused right? We love the word, or we think we love the word, but we actually love the law. And something that I think God is shifting in us as a church, a global church right now, is a renewed passion for the actual word of God, the living word. And so I want to encourage you in this, because when we read the word or you know, the Bible is just something to do to be a good person. That's what good Christians do, or we sometimes even use it as a measure of how to judge other people or even ourselves, you know, some we're our own worst critic. But I think God wants a renewal of the love of the biblical principles that he is speaking to us through the Bible. And of course, there are some hard things, some heavy things, but it is the living act of word. The Bible says that the word was alive himself, it was Jesus, right? So when we read the Bible, we are getting renewed and refreshed with his person, getting to know God so much more. So if reading a whole chapter of Numbers seems a little daunting of you, I just, uh, yeah, want to challenge you to have, or even ask, if you don't feel like you have a passion for the word, ask God for a renewed passion, because he will give it. Yeah, so I'm going to let that be the, <laughs> the framework for this. Uh, but don't worry, guys, this is not a boring chapter. This is a very exciting chapter, actually. One that I think it's a little so crazy in the church, we just kind of make a joke, laugh about it, and then kind of move on. But we're going to talk about Balaam today. If you know anything about Balaam, Balaam has a donkey, all right? Uh, I don't want to give any spoilers, but this is to prepare you, should you already know this passage. Um, so again, we're going to read in Numbers 22, and again, New Living Translation. And which verses? All of them. <laughs> but we're going to start in verse 1. It says, Then the people of Israel traveled to the plains of Moab, and camped east of the Jordan River, across from Jericho. So where we are in this story, just a quick little context, right? The Israelites are still leaving Egypt. They're in their journey to the Promised Land. We all know that journey, that long journey that they took. Um, it says, Balak, son of Zippor, the Moabite king, had seen everything the Israelites did to the Amorites. And when the people of Moab saw how many Israelites there were, they were terrified. The king of Moab said to the elders of Midian, this mob will devour everything in sight, like an ox devours grass in the field. Now, just quickly pausing here, because something really caught my attention. How afraid King Balak, right? So the king of the, of the Moabites, King Moab, was so terrified of the Israelites, right? 
But when we read the story from the Israelites' perspective, just in general, their wilderness years, I think we can all agree that there tends to be a, a victim mindset a lot of times, right? Because they're doubting God. God, what are you doing with us? Why are we here? Why aren't we in the promised land yet? And we all think know the, a little bit at least, of the story and the rough journey that they all took. But sometimes I wonder, do we even know how our enemies are looking at us? Our enemies are looking at us as God is with us. Like, oh my goodness, like we don't stand a chance if God is with them. But do we see ourselves like that? Do we say, oh yeah, God is with us. So yeah, even though we know that the king of the Moabites wants to come attack us, but it's okay because God is with us. You know, I think it's a great time and a great space to just kind of check our perspective. Um, so moving on as well, so we're going to continue now in verse 4. It says, So Balak, king of Moab, sent messengers to call Balaam, son of Beor, who was living in his native land of Pethor near Euphrates River. His message said, Look, a vast horde of people have arrived in, from Egypt. They cover the face of the earth and are threatening me. Please come and curse these people for me, because they are too powerful for me then perhaps I will be able to conquer them and drive them from the land. I know that blessings fall on any people you bless and curses fall on people you curse. Now this is very interesting, okay? Because Balaam, our main character of the story, the one that Balak has said, hey, you know, can you come and can you curse the Israelites for me because I'm so afraid of them? Balaam was not an Israelite, right? So he was a prophet, but he was not a prophet of God in the way that we know of the prophets in the Bible, right? Because they were prophets of the people of God. So actually many, many historians, many um, people who have studied the word say or call Balaam a wicked prophet. So it's just interesting for context and we will definitely look into that more later. Um, but keep that in your mind. It helps you frame the story a little bit more. So Balak is like, okay, come, Balaam, you can bless, you can curse, you're a prophet. I've seen it done. I need you to curse the Israelites, God's chosen people, because I'm afraid they're going to attack. All right, and so verse 7, it says, Balak's messenger, who were elders of Moab and Midian, set out with money to pay Balaam to place a curse upon Israel. Sounds quite tempting. It says, they went to Balaam and delivered Balak's message to him. Stay here overnight, Balaam said. In the morning, I will tell you whatever the Lord directs me to say. So the officials of Moab stayed there with Balaam. God is speaking, right? And Balaam, not even a prophet of the Lord, shall you say, was willing to listen to God. Are we willing to listen? Verse 9 says, That night God came to Balaam and asked him, Who are these men visiting you? And see, God speaks directly. Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent me this message. Look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt, and they cover the face of the earth. Come and curse these people for me. Then perhaps I will be able to stand up to them and drive them out from the land. But God told Balaam, do not go with them. You are not to curse these people, for they have been blessed. What God blesses, man cannot curse. You know, the word of the Lord is the final word. It is the last word. If God has said something to you, if God has blessed you with something, God has promised you something, there is nothing that can take that away. You know, we just have to stand firm in that promise. Verse 13 says, the next morning Balaam got up and told Balak's official, go home, the Lord will not let me go with you. So the Moabite officials returned to King Balak and reported, Balaam refused to come with us. 
Then Balak tried again. This time he sent a larger number of even more distinguished officials. So, okay, the money didn't work. So maybe reputation will work. Maybe status will work. You know, maybe clout. You know, hey, these really important men want Balaam. Sounds tempting, again. It says more distinguished officials than those he had sent the first time. They went to Balaam and delivered this message to him. This is what Balak son of Zippor says. Please don't let anything stop you from coming to help me. I will pay you very well and do whatever you tell me. Who doesn't want to hear that? I'm just going to be honest. Just come and curse these people for me. But Balaam responded to Balak's messengers. Even if Balak were to give me his palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord my God. But stay here one more night, and I will see if the Lord has anything else to say to me. Verse 20 says, That night God came to Balaam and told him, Since these men have come for you, get up and go with them, but do only what I tell you to do. So this is kind of our, our intro, shall you say, to the chapter. And in this section, that we can, we can see one of the ways, maybe, that is quite tempting uh, for us to block our phone lines to block the line that prevents us from keeping that communication open with God. And that is, again, going with the phone metaphor, is a busy signal. Now again, you might be too young for this, but the busy signal, I mean, I think this happens on cell phones too. I don't, you know, to be honest, I don't use the phone very often. Um, so maybe this wasn't the best metaphor for me to use. Um, but the busy signal, right? You're on the phone with someone and someone tries to call you, can't go through. Why? Because you're a little bit preoccupied. And in this context, there are two voices, right, that Balaam is trying to decide between. There is the voice of God who has come, literally come so clear and some clo so close and personal to him and said, hey, like, no, don't, don't curse my people because I have blessed them. But then you have the very, very tempting voice of King Balak and his distinguished officials, right, that says, hey, I will literally give you whatever you want. I will do whatever you told me. You know, I will give you money, a huge sum of money. I will give you, you know, the, the status, the power with these distinguished men. You know, and which voice are we listening to? And I think it's something very easy for us to say in this biblical context, oh yeah, you know, like want to become a king or you want to follow God. But this might be one of the, the most easiest blockages, shall you say, for us to fall into. Because maybe, maybe we just picked up the phone and didn't hang it up right away, you know, maybe Maybe we just let the phone call linger a little bit. Wait, you want to you wanna give me what, you know? I was like, no, because I'm going to do what God told me to do, but, but, but you'll do whatever I want you to do? You know, we linger sometimes in the area of temptation because I think we forget that sometimes like, it doesn't even uh, require us to go fully, you know, into, into the sin or into the big temptation. But sometimes we linger in that area for too long. Even just the, the testing, I'm just going to see it out. It's not bad. I'm not doing anything. But that is stopping us from hearing from God because we're a bit distracted. You know, it reminds me as well of call waiting. Do you remember call waiting? I never had call waiting, but I would see this in like TV shows and movies and I wanted call waiting because that looks so cool, right? So you're on the phone with someone and your line beeps and you go over to the next person. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. But are we leaving God on call waiting? Are we, are we just, you know, talking with King Balak a little too long about all the riches he's going to give us that we're forgetting to go over to God? Um, yeah, we have to make sure that, that we hear what God is saying and that we're not distracted by a temporary fix, you know, or a temporary promotion or just a, whatever feels nice and feels good in the moment. Um, 
Yeah. And I think a line here as well is like we have to be careful not to just flirt with temptations. You know, we're not getting married to them most of the time. You know, like we're pretty good at that, you know. But let's not even dabble with uh, keeping it on the line for just a little bit. One of the ways, as I said, that, that we can block the communication with God is that we just get distracted. Yeah, so let's make sure that we're not doing that, you know, that we are not on call waiting with God, <laughs> that we're not letting him, um, or I just, not even letting him, but that we're not missing out on what he wants to say. You know, maybe we were standing beside the phone, but picked up the wrong call. All right, we're gonna move over to our next section of the story, and this is where it gets good, friends. I mean, it's all pretty good, but this might be the more known part of the story. So verse 21, it says, So the next morning Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry that Balaam was going, so he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. Now this part, I felt quite confusing, actually. Because as we ended the last part, God said, It's okay, you can go. They came all this way, why don't you go with them? And now all of a sudden, God is angry that Balaam is going. So I was wondering, okay, why? What, what is the reason for that? Because it honestly, it kind of seems quite contradictory to me. But we're doing some research. Um, the fact that Balaam got up and saddled his donkey. So apparently the rabbis um, like of the Torah that you know, would be retelling this story or um, looking into it, said that to saddle a man's own, like for a man to saddle his own donkey would be very like, disrespectful, you know, and very unhonorable. Un uh, for a respectable man and a respected man like Balaam was, being a, a prophet, to do. So what that does is that shows his urgency. He was like, okay, God said not to curse, but he also said I could go. So I'm going to go and we'll just kind of see what happens, you know, because maybe, maybe God will change his mind. I don't know. I think we do that sometimes. So God said a word and then, okay, well, then I'll continue on. But God, if you change your mind, just let me know. I'll be ready. Um, yeah, so something to, to take, in, take into consideration there, right? Are we, are we taking God's word as like his word or are we being like, it's okay. I got the go ahead. I'm going to go get it now. Um, yeah, and that, hence why God was getting angry then at Balaam because he said, hey, I told you. I told you you could go. But what I, my heart for my people, that does not change. You know, he still longs to bless them and that's not going to change in God. So as we continue then, uh, in verse, we're in verse 22, if you were following along. Um, it says, as Balaam and two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in hand. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved further down the road and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. This time, when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. Sometimes our circumstances, if we're a little too proud, our circumstances are going to make us lie low in the presence of God. Just some food for thought there. <laughs> then it says, in a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. Verse 28, then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. This is the part, you know, when you have like the little record, like scratch, like, like, wait, what? <laughs> I don't know about you, but my only frame of reference for a donkey speaking is donkey from Shrek. 
Um, so that is how I, how I hear the rest of this conversation playing out. Um, I will not be doing an Eddie Murphy impression because, no, I just would not do it justice. The, uh, yeah. Um, but like, yeah, well, I think we really need to put ourselves into Balaam's perspective because yes, it was a different time, a different period, but it was still a, a talking donkey, right? Um, so just how absurd this is, like, let's not forget that. And then, so the donkey says, what have I done to you that deserves your beating me three times? It asked Balaam. In verse 29, Balaam says, you have made me look like a fool. Well, yeah, <laughs> there are a few different aspects here that make him look like a fool. Obviously he has a talking donkey, you know, and the donkey is freaking out. Um, <laughs> And as well, can you just even imagine what it looks like for Balaam to be riding the donkey and the donkey to go, going off course, all while he's still with like the Moabite distinguished men. Um, and a key point here that, that God is highlighting for us is the humility aspect of it, right? Like, are we humble enough to actually hear from God? And are there areas of, in our lives that are, still have pride that are preventing us to hear from God? Because I can guarantee you Balaam was not thinking, oh, maybe this... Uh, Maybe this donkey's trying to tell me something from the Lord. Um, but then in verse 30, it says, but I am the same donkey you have ridden all your life, the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this before? No, Balaam admitted. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. And again, I was, you know, reading through this and being, well, God, you could have just showed Balaam the angel, like at first, you know, wouldn't it have just saved all this hassle with all this weird talking donkey, you know? Um, but again, it's this level of humility, right? Verse 32, why did you beat your donkey those three times? The angel of the Lord demanded. Look, I have come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. Three times the donkey saw me and shied away. Otherwise, I would certainly have killed you by now and spared the donkey. That's a lot, guys. <laughs> Anyone that says the Bible is boring or the Old Testament is boring, there are many gems like this. Uh, but all that this does, it brings us to our second way that we can block and stop uh, our line from being open. And that is that the phone is unplugged. Okay? Hear me out. Because... The idea of receiving a phone call or not having your phone plugged in, like if it's not plugged in, you're not expecting a phone call, right? Or if, for example, if we're gonna talk more like modern day, if your phone battery dies and you don't go charge it, you know, you leave it dead for half the day, you're clearly not expecting anything urgent, you know, no urgent calls, no urgent, mes urgent messages. Um, and, it, and in this, this passage, we see that Bill was not expecting the donkey to speak to him, and not even just verbally speaking, but he didn't even catch that, hey, maybe, maybe there's something, there's something there with the donkey not taking me down this path. Um, and again, the, the humiliation aspect of it that Balaam was talking about, like, why did you make me look like a fool, right? It's in that the unexpected things, you know, when we set criteria for how God can speak to us, you know, and, and set standards, then we're not, like, opening up ourselves to be expected for any new way he wants to speak to us. And so when we don't have our, our phones plugged in, shall we say, or our phones fully charged, we really limit because we're saying, hey, God, like, I don't need you to speak to me this way. 
And something else that I thought was really interesting about this point, or this, this part of this passage, is the number three, right? Three times the donkey saw you, or saw the, uh, the angel, three times Balaam like, beat the donkey, and it said multiple, multiple, multiple times. And as we know with God, okay, nothing is a coincidence. Like, if it's in the Bible, it's there for a reason, and especially numbers, biblical numbers are so uh, intentional, right? Like, there's whole layers of the Bible that we don't even understand, that we don't even, like, from our, our basic understanding. You know, we need Holy Spirit revelation and, and knowledge and just reading more and getting to know God more and, and reading more about the Word um, that we can have more revelation of everything He's trying to communicate to us. So in the Bible, and because number three came up so many times in this passage, um, we looked it up and it means wholeness, God's presence, right? Divine unity, like the Trinity or completeness. And I was kind of getting a little frustrated because I was like, God, well, why is three in here so many times? But it's about wholeness. Like, what in, in this is, is whole? You know, what in this is united? Because clearly, like, Balaam did not get the picture, you know? Um, like, he was, he was missing out. He didn't see the angel. He was mad at the donkey. Like, it just felt more chaotic than whole to me. Uh, but then I realized that the whole picture was there. Balaam just couldn't see it. There was still that wholeness. There was still that presence of God. There was still the fullness of what God was trying to do and what he was trying to say. Balaam just didn't see it and he couldn't see it, you know, and, and sometimes like, are we even paying attention enough? And again, with our, our phone, if we're not expecting it, if we're not plugging it in, we're not paying attention. We're not listening for the ring of the phone, you know, as well, like maybe God is not allowing us to see part of a conversation or part of a situation, right? Like this, Balaam's eyes couldn't see the, the angel, you know, but are we still going to trust God? That, hey, even if we don't see the fullness of the situation, even if the situation looks incomplete to us, you know, do we still trust that God is there, that his presence is there, that he's fighting for us, that he is on the move? Um, so maybe we don't see the whole picture yet, you know, or maybe we're not paying attention. And that is the side of, again, the, the phone being plugged in or the phone dying and, and the wholeness. You know, let's, let's look after God. Let's, let's pursue his presence. Let's pursue what he wants to try to tell us and be open to hearing that in a whole way. Even if we feel like we don't see it all, we might never see it all, but do we trust that God is working in a complete way? This reminds me actually of a story. I, it's not really a story, it's just this childhood memory that's been ingrained in my brain. I have no idea why, but it might be just for this. Um, but growing up, loved to get books from the library, right? And I remember once, I was quite young, maybe like eight, nine, 10, and it was time to return one of my library books. I think it was a ballet book or something. And my mom said, okay, let's do today. We gotta get it. And I couldn't find my book. I couldn't find the library book at all. And of course, in my house, no, no, no. Like, I mean, first of all, my mom didn't wanna pay for a new book for the library, so I totally understand it. Um, but it's responsible to turn your books on time, you know, like, hey, there's a time limit. You do it, you go to the library, you put it there. It's part of the process. And I couldn't find my book. And I was searching everywhere in my room. And I was telling my mom, I can't find it. I can't find it. Completely messing up my room. And she's like, did you look everywhere? And I was like, of course I did. Did you look everywhere? Yes, going through everything. But there was one drawer I didn't look in. And I distinctly remember this. I distinctly remember saying, I'm not gonna look there because I know it's not there. Because I have never in my life put a book in this drawer. So I was going, literally turning my whole room into a complete mess. Got my mom, did you look everywhere? Well, everywhere but one place. Opened up that drawer, and lo and behold, right on top was the book, right? 
Now has that probably been ingrained in my mind? Probably because, you know, just a really hard lesson to learn that, hey, maybe you need to look everywhere and you don't think you know as much as you do. But I feel in this, in this context, in this, in this circumstance, and in line in the story with Balaam, that it's so poignant, you know, and so pertinent because are we, are there are drawers in our lives, you know, that we're not opening because we think, oh no, like it's not gonna be there. You know, God's not gonna speak to me here or like this, right? Why? Because he never has, so why would I? Why would I charge my phone? Because I know he's not gonna call me today. You know, he's never called me on a Thursday or whatever day it might be. But it's this whole idea of the expectancy. And I did not expect that library book to be in there. You know, was I relieved? Yes. Did I also waste a lot of time, a lot of energy to have to clean my room after? Was my mom frustrated? All of the above. Yes. <laughs> but the fact is, is that I wasn't looking because I just didn't pay attention. I didn't think it would be there, so I didn't care. You know, are there areas in our lives where God is trying to speak to us, but we just don't care enough to pay attention? We're maybe so used to how we normally do things that we're not even considering plugging the phone back in. Yeah, and I think let's ask today, let's ask God to show us that there are areas where we're not being expected, where we need to open up our eyes. You know, maybe Balaam could have listened to the donkey and been like, okay, clearly I can't go down this path. You know, but God opened up his eyes so he could see the angel. You know, maybe there are things in our lives that we're like, okay, like, maybe this is a sign from God, I don't know, but let's ask God to open up our eyes to see, to see what he's trying to do, to see that, that three completeness, wholeness of what God is doing in our lives. And on this note as well, I, I think it's really important to, to touch on something that I, I've noticed a lot you know, in my life, in my friends' lives, in the church life, um, that sometimes when we face challenges or we go down roadblocks, we're a little bit confused whether or not that is the enemy going against us because we're doing what God told us to do, or it's God trying to tell us like, hey, like stop, you know, like stop going down this path. Because if you look at it, right, Balaam, God told Balaam, hey, go, and then all of a sudden he went through all of this adversity in this donkey that wouldn't go, crushed his foot, lay down, you know, in front of everyone. And so a lot of times I think that we can find ourselves in that kind of position as well. And we're like, I don't know, God told me to go here and I'm going and, and now is this God? Is this the enemy? Like, is there something wrong? Is it my donkey? I don't know. Um, but in this moment, I feel, and I not just feel, guys, it's not even just a feeling. I have seen, we've all lived these, these paralyzing moments kind of in the tension there where you don't know what to do, so you don't do anything. And this is just something to, to really encourage you, church, is that you know, we have to remember how big our God is. And sometimes we're so afraid of doing the wrong thing, and by so afraid of doing the wrong thing, it's usually more so afraid of not doing the right thing. Do you know what I mean, the difference? You can be wrong, but a lot of times we just really wanna be right. You know, we want, not even for our own pride necessarily, but we want God to be proud of us, we want people to be proud of us, we wanna do the right thing but that can paralyze us. You know, we can be sitting on our donkey because God told me to go, but now the donkey is, you know, off on some field. But God came through, you know, and Balaam was confused and he, you know, was still trying to go and even God didn't want him to go and God came through. So church, just be encouraged that if you find yourself in a, in a situation where you're not exactly sure, you don't wanna, you know, mess up the plan of God because here we are thinking that we can actually mess up the plan of God, that God is so big, you know, have an understanding of who he is and go, where God told you to go, do it, and if you're off, if it's wrong, he will come and he will cover and he will correct. Um, but I think a question for us, right, is that sometimes we're so afraid like, of, of being wrong or not hearing right that we don't hear anything at all. 
So go, and do you trust him? Do you trust him to speak to you? Do you trust him to lead you? And if you go off the wrong path, he'll cover you and bring you back in. Um, so be encouraged, church, yeah? Because when we're, when we're stopped and when we're kind of in that paralyzed moment, God, God doesn't, can't use us because we're static, we're stagnant. We need to be moving, we need to be flowing, and that's when he can lead and direct. Um, yeah, so be encouraged, church. All right, verse 34. You guys still with me? We're almost at the end of the chapter, so uh, you guys are doing great. Verse 34 says, Then Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. This is another way that God speaks to us, right? It's through conviction. And the beautiful thing about this is that Balaam was not even an Israelite, but he still had that holy reverence of God, you know, to a certain extent, um, and a certain level of reverence, right? And we know that in the, the New Testament, right, the Holy Spirit brings conviction, so that's amazing. Um, and then, so, so, then Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I didn't realize. I didn't realize. Right? Is God speaking to us in a way that we can't see, that we can't realize? Like we were just talking about being blinded, you know, not seeing things fully. How many times has God said something to us, you know, after the fact, and we're like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that. Like if I'd only known, you know, if I'd only trusted that you were there, that you were moving um, in wholeness, and that you were fully in control of the situation. Because I didn't realize that you were standing in the road to block my way, because all he was focused on was the road. He was like, I'm going to get to Moab, and we're going to see. Maybe I'll curse, maybe I'll bless. He was focused on, the, on the, the destination, on the journey, you know, on the task, you know, or focused on the problem of the donkey, that he didn't realize that God was trying to speak to him. He says, I didn't realize you were standing in the road to block my way. I will return home if you are against my going, right? A lot of times when we reach that level of humility after being knocked off our donkey, literally, apparently, um, one too many times, right? That level of humility. Hey, if you want me to go, then I'll go. But the angel of the Lord told Balaam, go with these men, but only say what I tell you to say. So Balaam went on with Balak's officials. When King Balak heard that Balaam was on the way, he went out to meet him at a Moabite town on the Arnon River at the farthest border of the land. Didn't I send you an urgent invitation? Why didn't you come right away? Balak asked Balaam. Didn't you believe me when I said I would reward you richly? Balaam replied, Look, now I have come, but I have no power to say whatever I want. I will speak only the message that God puts in my mouth. Then Balaam accompanied Balak to Kiriath-Huzoth, where the king sacrificed cattle and sheep. He sent portions of the meat to Balaam and the officials who were with him. The next morning, Balak took Balaam up to Bamoth Baal. Uh, from there, he could see some of the people of Israel spread out below him. That's the end of this chapter, guys. Great job. The next couple of chapters is again, Balak with, there with Balaam, telling him, please curse them. Balaam goes, Ask God if he can curse him, comes back and says, I can't, I'm sorry, and instead speaks blessing. Um, it's really beautiful. But the, the third and final point that I want to talk to us today about in this whole metaphor of the phone and keeping our lines open, right? The third obstacle in keeping our line open is that we hang up. And hear me out on this one, okay? We hang up a lot of times because we don't like who God is talking through. Remember what I said about who Balaam was and how the Israelites more, you know, chances, high chances, didn't really respect him very well, right? Because he was a prophet, but not of the Israelites, not of the chosen people, right? But this proves 
that God can speak through anyone. You know, but a lot of times we limit people and we limit what we receive from people based on the criteria, their criteria or our criteria that we have. So you can only speak to me. God can only speak to you or through you to me if this or this, right? Because in this instant, right, God used a non-Israelite to bless the Israelites when he was really fine with cursing them. You know, he just had to go and check. But it's that aspect of God might be using people that maybe we're not the biggest fans of to speak to us. You know, maybe the phone rang, we picked it up and go, oh, not you, put it back down. You know, are we open? Are we willing? And we can look at this and say, oh yeah, sometimes God speaks to non-Christians or, you know, people who've had it rough, you know, like, wow, it's beautiful. But what about the person that you're thinking about right now? That you're like, okay, yeah, but God, anyone but them. Not because they're necessarily like super wicked, but just because God, I, I really, mm, I don't get on with them, you know? Or they really irk me, or they rub me the wrong way, or, you know, I see them judging me, so I'm gonna judge them. You know, are we willing to let go of our criteria and let go of our standards to let God speak through them to us, right? Are we like, oh, answering, that was the word. Are we answering the phone? <laughs> And giving that person an opportunity to speak because we trust that God, hey, if you want to speak to me through them, then I can put away my likes, my dislikes, my preferences, my, my opinions, you know, lay down my rights. God, if you want to speak to me through whoever, you can speak to me. Yeah. We need to remember that we don't hang up the phone just because the caller doesn't meet our standards. Because those standards are relative. You know, if God can use Balaam, again, the wicked prophet, he can use anyone you know, to save a nation, you know, to speak to you, to fulfill the promise, guys. What we were talking about, God is so big. You know, he doesn't just have to use a select few people. That's the beauty of God, is that he can use anyone in anything. Like we read in Romans, right? It is obvious that God is everywhere, in everything. So of course he can speak to us through whomever. There are three ways that we can block our phone lines from hearing, from receiving from God. You know, we could be on the phone with someone else, something that just seems a little bit more tempting, right? There's the busy signal. There is that we've decided to unplug our phone or just forgotten to plug it back in or forgotten to charge our phone, you know? Or there's we hang up because we don't like the voice on the other side. It doesn't fit our standards, doesn't fit what makes us feel nice, right? But I want to challenge you today, church, as God has been challenging me, um, that we are here to keep our lines open, that God God could have the reason to block his lines from us, right? Because he's the God of the universe, but he doesn't. He has made himself available. So let's make ourselves available for him as well to speak. Let's cast out anything, get rid of anything that maybe isn't bad, but maybe our expectations, we need to, to expect more. Maybe we need to have a broader understanding of the way that God moves. You know, not be so focused on just the one way he's always done it so we can hear from him, so we can have that new thing from him. Um, and now as we close, I wanna just jump ahead one chapter um, because this is, as I said before, this is when Balaam and Balak are, are trying to see if they can curse Israel. And Balaam has gone and asked God, said, hey, can I, can I curse him this time? And then God told Balaam, hey, you're gonna bless my people. And this is what Balaam says. He says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. He has." Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? So friends, this is our God. 
When we have those open lines of communication, when we have our lines unblocked, we don't have to be nervous about what is go God is going to say. You know, we don't have to, to doubt whether or not he's actually going to do it. Because sometimes I think we allow our lines to be blocked because it's almost like self-preservation, it's self-protection. Because what if God says something and I don't like it? Or what if God says something and it doesn't happen? But we need to have a refreshing renewal of his character, church. We need to know that, hey, God, when you speak something, I trust you. When you make a promise, no one can take that away. No man can curse it because you have said it. So church, as we go today, I, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray that, that not only will we have open lines of communication, that these things that maybe come and distract us and block us from having that newness connection with God, um, not only to, to get rid of those, but I, I pray for a deeper trust and a deeper assurance of the character of God in your life. To know that when he speaks, he will do it. Because that is who he is. Who is God? God is not a man that he should break his promise. So as we pray, church, and as we go, church, yeah, I just want to pray for you. So Lord, thank you so much that you are the God that never breaks his promise, that you are the promise keeper. Lord, that you long to be near to us, that you long to communicate with us, you long to have communion with us. And God, I pray that there is, if there is any one of us, God, that, that maybe is doubting that, that is doubting your character, that Jesus, that you would just come in with a refreshing renewal of who you are, with a revelation of your character, of your nature, that you are a God that is not like man, that is not that fragile or not fickle like man is, but that you are the all-knowing, all-powerful God, ever-present in every aspect of our lives. God, we just wanna just commit to you, God, this, this line of communication and say, Holy Spirit, would you just show us if there's anything that's blocking us, anything that's keeping us busy or distracted or, or not expectant, disconnected from you, or anything, Lord, that's not matching our criteria so we're rejecting. We just want to give that all to you because we want to hear from you. We want to hear that new thing. We want to be close to you and have that nearness to you, Jesus. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would encourage whoever needs encouraging, Lord, that is listening to this preaching right now, to this message, to this service, Lord, that you would come with your encouragement, that you would come with your hope, knowing, Lord, that, yeah, that you have so much more for them, that the best is yet to come. Thank you, Jesus. Show us more of who you are, God. Amen. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, and I can tell you that would be the best decision you've ever made because God longs to be near to you. He is talking to you. He wants to talk to you, but he also wants you to talk to him. It's a relationship. It is, it is a communication. It is an exchange, an intimate exchange. So if you've never given your life to Christ, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that right now. All you have to do, wherever you are, nothing fancy, just pray this with me in your heart, out loud, it doesn't matter. But just say, God, Thank you, thank you that you want to have a relationship with me. Thank you that you long to communicate to me and for me to communicate back. That you long to have this relationship. That you came for a relationship. That you set Jesus for a relationship. And would you restore that, God? Would you restore any area or all the areas in my life, God, that need to be restored to you? Jesus, thank you that there is nothing that, that we have to do to earn your love, to earn that communication, to earn that relationship. It is all a gift. And I just choose to walk freely in that gift, that gift of grace, that gift of salvation, that gift of relationship. Amen. It's so simple. If you've prayed that and you're new to church, just get involved with us. Send us a message on any social media. Let us know. We would love to get you plugged into the church family. And church, we are so thankful that you joined us for today. And we really believe that God wants to do something really fresh and really new in you today.
And so I, I challenge you, I urge you to keep those lines open, you know. Don't let anything block, don't let anything stop because God is constantly talking to you and he longs to hear your voice. He loves the sound of your voice. So I encourage you to go for that today, wherever you are, however it is. Again, it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be super um, religious looking even. Just have that conversation with God because he has so much to show you. Thank you so much, church. Remember that there's so much going on throughout the week that Eric's gonna fill you in on later. But we bless you and we hope that you have a great week. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to share how God is speaking to you through this message, let us know on any of our social media platforms. Make sure to visit our website, hopeandanger.org, for more information on who we are as a church and to find out how you can be part of the Hope and Anchor family. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.